Hello, and welcome to Carefully Taught, teaching musical theater with Maddie and Kika. A podcast to discuss musical theater pedagogy and to create a community of sharing amongst musical theater educators. Feel free to email us at carefullytaughtpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at carefullytaughtpodcast. Well, I am so excited about this episode, and I want to, before we even say anything, just thank our three guests. We've never had three guests at once. Uh, coordinating schedules was challenge. We're dealing with multiple time zones here, and, and we're all in different cities, and we were able to to nail down a time. Now, it, it is in the middle of the day on a Sunday in my spring break, but I'm not holding it against anybody. I'm just super excited that we're going to have a real conversation about the role of the college audition coach, which when I went to school for my BFA didn't even exist. That was like not a thing I had ever heard of before. So we're just going to start by introducing the people in the room and uh, I'll ping pong over to Drew if you want to start. I sure do. Hi, Maddie. Uh, I'm Drew Boudreau. I run uh, College Audition Pros. I'm based here in New York City. Hi, I'm Laura Enstall. I am owner founder of Audition Well, and I am based in St. Louis, Missouri. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Leo Ash Evans, director of MTCA, Musical Theater College Auditions, and New York City is our home base. So, um, again, we've never had this many people in the room. We're going to juggle all of the voices and all of the different perspectives, but I'm super excited to just have a real conversation because the purpose of our podcast is, is to have dialogue with and about with musical theater educators about musical theater education and for people trying to place students in the college landscape, y'all are teaching. Um, you're sort of like the forgotten about teachers. We don't necessarily talk about this process very often. And so it's going to be really interesting to hear your perspective on, on how you teach, what you teach and Honestly, as musical theater educators in the university landscape, I'm interested in hearing about what your students are looking for. So I, I thought we could just start by by asking the question, like, what is a college audition coach? What exactly do you do? Um, I'll start uh, with a very, um, uh, with a, what do you call it, a qualifier, uh, which is um, we do different things for different families. Um, not, not every family needs the same thing. And I'm, I'm speaking anecdotally. Um, I, I would say if I had to summarize it, it would be, um, to, uh, help people not lose their marbles in this crazy process. Um, it's also, our job is a lot of counseling with students to keep up their, their long-term vision and keep their self-esteem up because this is the hardest thing they will ever do until they buy a house or plan a wedding uh, with homework and finals and ACTs and auditions and flying and, you know, being a teenager. Um, so it's a lot of that. It's also a lot of infrastructure. Like we're not going to make a student more talented. We might uh, get them practicing better, but it's a lot of infrastructure of like, these are the timelines. Let's stick to it. Also, I got to be your cheerleader. I got to be your supporter. I I have to see that you can do the thing that sometimes you doubt that you are able to do. Um, and also remind them that when they fail uh, to get into a particular dream school, uh, you know, uh, 
David Ortiz is one of the best batters in the history of Major League Baseball, and he has a lifetime, I think, like 303 batting average, meaning almost 70% of the time he missed. And so you have to remind students of that, that like, hey, you missed 70%, you're doing great, and keep them up. I actually love the comparison to sports in some ways because um, I, I like to think of it and talk about this at our auditions that we are training Olympians, singing, dancing, acting, musicians, circus tricks. I mean, you have to be able to do everything. So um, I'm just going to direct it to Laura. Uh, what uh, do you see that connection? Do you see that sort of um, the difficulty of, of college choices, of material choices? Yeah, what, what do you have for us for that? Yes, absolutely. I think that you're right. It, you are training athletes because this is theater, musical theater is athletic. You look at shows that are currently touring or on Broadway, you're performing eight days a week. It's very athletic. You've got to train your body to do that. And I, I tell my students, um, you've got to, this is, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we're, this is why the timeline starts so early as a junior, because we prep and we have to start now and we're preparing your material for a marathon, not a sprint. If you start, you know, fall of your senior year and you're trying to do all of this, you're going to exhaust yourself. So it is very athletic in that you are building up the stamina in order that you can do three, four auditions a day. You can emotionally be connected to those pieces, songs or monologues and be present for that. So yeah, I think you very well could connect this to athletics. I heard um, Jeff Calhoun, the director choreographer, talk on a podcast one time about and used a, a, another analogy with with sports. And he talked about Olympic training and how every Olympics um, there somebody breaks a previous Olympic record and how because of training and because of the hustle involved in what they do, um, that goal, the goalposts are constantly moving and what is expected is constantly getting harder and harder. And he equated it to, to musical theater and how the students, the young people entering the business today are expected to do far more than what we were expected to do when we, I, I mean, I have said this many a time, you know, I would not get into the program that I went through and have a degree from with honors, uh, I would not even get into it now based on what I can do, what I could do then. I'm curious if that, I mean, if that resonates, I see heads nodding in our Zoom room, but can, does it, can does anyone want to speak to that? Sure, I'd be happy to. I, I say this all the time to our students that when I was doing this in 1998, I went to Carnegie Mellon, I was there for four years for musical theater. It was not it wasn't even half as competitive as it is now. And what is what is remarkable to me is that as you know, the world has gotten so much faster with the internet and reality TV and social media, the amount of information that they're receiving at all times uh, makes it attainable for them to to take on more. But the same human spirit is still the same as far as, you know, acceptances and rejections and the fragility of everything that we do. So I find that the that the the most the most interesting part about now versus before is that the world was smaller, that we just didn't have to take on as much. Um, so everything is heightened and, and 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 magnified in a way that is exciting in the sense that so much more is available to them. But it also, you know, that it's the constant work that I feel um 
an effective coach is always doing with students is to is to balance out all of the stress and pressure and anxiety that's going to come along with the process anyway. I mean, I felt that too. I, I I remember the fragility of this time like it was, you know, two years ago, even though it was, you know, over 20 for me. But the reality is, is the um the 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 psychological aspects of this process are are more tender now, are more difficult. Um, you know, I always try to get our students to to think about what is derailing them from the process so that they're able to really really ask themselves what is helpful to me uh and and then they realize that a lot of these things these outside factors aren't necessarily always helping them but can be hurting them like social media or like the internet or like you know so you know reality tv i mean i remember being younger when i was like i was i'm i'm too young for star search that was already off tv but i'm old enough to remember when american idol was just popping and when american idol was just popping that was when mainstream media really and mainstream and, and and all forms of tv really started to take off on saying musical theater is popular so now where can we have our kelly clarkson of musical theater and i and i watched those numbers just start to just elevate so it's 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 it's, it's like the blessing and the curse at the same time so it's it's exciting to see how fast everything's moving and i i also find it really fascinating the last two three years as we've all navigated this terrible pandemic, what it's done to, you know, kind of isolate the experience again in a in a silver lining positive kind of way to kind of strip away a lot of that extra hubbub to focus on what's most important, which is the craft at the end of the day. Now, each of you have sort of brought forward the positive reasons why why having a coach is great. And I'm just imagining myself like putting myself in the mindset of of a junior having these conversations with their parents or parents having the conversations with their students or their children and saying, do we need a coach? Um, and so I, I guess I'm just the simple question of like, what, what do you say to that? What is your response to needing one? And, and what, if at all, you can guarantee them? I think um, one thing I like to tell families and students is, I'm gonna be your tour guide through the college audition process. <laughs> It's something that they can easily connect with. They may not understand exactly everything that they need, but they do know that they know nothing about the process. So I try to take away the fear and the anxiety of this process by just saying, I know this is stressful. I know it seems like a lot. This is something you will have never gone through in your life. This is something you're never going to have to go through again in your life. And if you've ever had other students, you know, sometimes I have families, I know you all have this as well. They're like, well, we had a, a kid go through college and they knew where they were going in November. So why will I not know where my child is going for musical theater until April or May, you know, and I, you have to explain the timeline for them. So the, I try to ease their mind with the benefit of having a, a coach is you're going to have somebody guide you through this process and help you answer those questions, those pivotal questions every step of the way. So that's, that's one aspect of it that I think can be helpful. I think it's it's a little bit like, um, I, I think of it as like professional actors with an agent or a manager. You know, it's another person on your team. You can successfully go through being a professional actor and never have an agent and a manager. So I certainly do feel that there are some students with parents that have utmost organization and they can balance it and, you know, and, and strive through the process. The, the problem with it is that 
there's so much more that all of these seniors in high school want to effectively do, like their fall play and their spring musical and choir and drama and all of that stuff, that it, it's hard to balance the workload. Um, you know, I remember when pre-screens were like a, like a brand new thing. And I had, I mean, my alma mater, I, I, I know that they wouldn't mind me saying this. They laughed at it like, oh, those pre-screens, that's terrible. What do you mean where people are sending in recordings of, well, how can you do that? Well, in order to cut down on the numbers, there was no other way. What else are you going to do? Have, you know, five callback weekend. So it, it's, it's with, with all of the numbers going up, what I find is that because more people want to pursue it and, and the supply is there to meet, meet the demand of how many um, schools have excellent BFA and BA programs, audition-based and non-audition, it only keeps elevating the game. So then that's where I think a coach effectively comes into the picture, which is that it's another person on the team. I remember one of the very first um, initial consults I had done, the parent was leaving my studio and she turned around and she said, do you coach the parents too? <laughs> and it was like this great moment where she was like, I think my son's fine, but I'm a, I'm a mess. So do you know? How? And that's a big part of it too, I find is, and I love that part is the, is the balance between what the student needs, but also what the, what the parents need too. That, that is exactly what I was going to zero in on. Um, I've had, um, I had one student, we had one initial consultation, and then I helped her make her school list based on what she wanted. And she wanted to double major, and she also wanted to do musical theater, and she had a GPA that was through the roof. So it was like, okay, cool. There's these 15 schools that have everything that you need. She was like, great. And then her mom was a stay-at-home parent. Uh, her dad only worked a few days a week because he was a surgeon. And like they had that team organization to do everything on their own. But how many families can say they have parents who have that much free time to dedicate to like they made the audition requirements, due dates, every shot of every uh, three quarter, a chest up, uh, what year the monologues from. They were able to do that. But once I explained to a family who doesn't have the luxury of having um, a stay at home parent, everything that they have coming their way, it's a yeah, never mind. I, I think we could use your help. Uh, it is as much a setting the parent free from their schedule and, you know, they don't have the bandwidth they would like to help their children. That's the, the fact is they would love to do everything for their kids, uh, but they just don't have the mental um, range between raising a family and having a job and everything else. And that's where we come in is, as Leo said, we are team members to help support them through each step of the way. The kids as well as the parents. It makes a lot of sense to me this the the analogy of the agent and 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 all of those things and and it is such a specialized field. I mean, I re, I went to a, a private college prep high school. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into theater or not, but they were a college-driven, you know, high school that had they bragged about like a 99.3% rate of people getting into college after they graduated high school. And I remember sitting down with Sister Susan, uh, who was my college counselor, and was telling her I was thinking about going to school for theater or musical theater. And she pulls out this giant book uh, and was like, okay, well, the schools that have theater are, and there was like five schools that were listed. I mean, again, there's a thousand more programs now than there ever were. But like, she had no idea about an audition or something like that. That was like that. And she was a specialist in placing students into college. Like that was her job. So to have this, this facilitator of, of all of the moving parts makes sense to me. But 
what I struggle with, and I, I would love to hear you talk about this, is, is Drew, you just mentioned having the luxury of, of time and a stay-at-home parent. Um, the, the college audition process is not only stressful, but it's expensive. And to add the expense of needing to pay someone to help be that agent or manager, while it makes sense to me, you know, we're having a lot of conversations right now in the industry about different kinds of diversity. You know, socioeconomic is certainly one of them. And and so how do we make theater and the college audition process accessible for everybody while it's as expensive as it is? Yeah, you know, that makes me think of when I've talked to educators um, in high schools, public high schools, um, performing arts high schools, I think one of the ways is to start younger, even within the education system of students learning the basics of, of how to select a really strong monologue and song for themselves. And a lot of that really just comes from the, the research and knowledge themselves of the field that they're stepping into. And that, here's where the internet, going back to that first answer I'd given about how it, it, this is a, an example of where it has helped students so much at what is their fingertip what's at their fingertips with clicking buttons on YouTube and and you know Google is for them to build their knowledge and kind of increase their awareness of excellent playwrights and excellent composers and and learn themselves a lot of 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 what you know, musicals and plays are out there. I mean, it's one of my favorite homework assignments to give is not only yes to read the play of the monologue that you want to work on or listen to the musical that your song is from, but now that you've had knowledge of that composer and that playwright, what can you do to educate yourselves in more ways? So that's one way that I immediately see students immediately saving money is, is just the just the knowledge of the business that they're stepping into. Because at first the internet thing is this like quick, quick fix. Like if I click buttons, I'm going to get what I want. Well, that's not going to be the case. But if they actually use the internet to their advantage to educate themselves about musical theater and plays and playwrights and composers, they actually are building a knowledge and skill set that then they actually will come to me and say, well, Leo, now that I've learned this song, what about this song? This one feels like this is right for me based on everything we discussed from the first song. Yes, you're right. That is a great song for you. So then all of a sudden the, the amount of, of needed coaching hours diminishes. And it's, you know, it's always, it, it's never about this overcoached, rehearsed, polished, manufactured thing, but keeping them organic and spontaneous in, in the work that then they're learning how to do themselves. It's almost like the precursor to their freshman year of college. So they're starting to do things that they would be doing at college, but they're learning, oh, that's how I go after researching a play and then that's how I learn about playwrights and vice versa with um with musicals so I, I like to think that some of them the ones that are the ones that uh you know that Laura was saying start early enough have time on their side and with time on their side they don't have to feel this fast quick I gotta pump out all this material it, it can actually be a process from an educational perspective and then that reduces coaching hours and that reduces an expense the other quick thing I'll just add to this is just what is available now in this virtual landscape. I mean, to see the amount of self-tapes that I do now as an actor myself, I mean, at first I fought it. At first I rolled my eyes because I'm not electronically savvy. I don't like, I'm an extrovert. I want to be in the room with people. You know, even this, I'm like, oh, I wish I was in the room with these four, you know, but the, but the reality is, is it is making it so cost-effective and time efficient to utilize this platform. And I love that colleges are holding on to it. I, I just think it's so exciting to 
And that's that's also reducing costs for coaching too, that they're not traveling into New York City. They're able to do things on Zoom. Or as I like to say, we used to say Skype. <laughs> well, our team used to always <laughs> use Skype, but um, now Skype seems like a thing of the past. Sorry, Skype. But um, yeah, that would be my answer to, to costs. Yeah. Man, you just lost that huge Skype sponsorship, Matthew. So sorry. <laughs> Dang, way to blow it, Leo. They had that sweet Microsoft money coming in. Um, uh, you know, my big thing in terms of reducing costs is making um, families aware of what other schools have what they're looking for that have a lower sticker price to begin with. Um, finding schools that have a BFA program that if you look at the curriculum, if you cover up the names, you would say, oh, this is uh, equivalent to this school in terms of what they're learning, but the sticker price is $30,000 as opposed to a starting sticker price of like 70. Um, so that's how I like to save families money is, you know, the other great benefit of the internet, like Leo was saying, is you can find schools that have BFAs that you've never heard of that have great sticker prices to begin with. Um, and when you have, when you, when you have resources that um, will naturally bring down the cost by potentially $100,000 over the course of four years, and then student loans over the course of many years after that, you do have some more freedom in terms of, uh, in terms of affording coaching. Um, and I, I, I speak for myself, but I think I'm also speaking maybe for other people here. Um, you know, w equity is a huge thing, like Leo said, and having video auditions totally brings down the cost. You don't you don't have to go to New York and Chicago and Los Angeles because that adds up to a couple thousand dollars really fast. Um, uh, and also, like, you know, not not everyone has had the training uh voice training, dance training, acting training, all that kind of stuff. And so I know that, you know, a lot of coaches, including myself, um, for folks who, you know, aren't socioeconomically um, equivalent to most of our clients, we will make exceptions for and be like, hey, let's, let's find you a school that is right for you, that has everything you need. Um, and let's start uh, sorry, this is a soapbox thing, like, um, especially for minority artists. Um, we don't want to tokenize artists in the show. We want uh, minority artists in the producer's room. And so for me, it's like, okay, cool. How about I give you this so that you can get into a great school and then you can afford that and then you can get in the industry at a seat of power. Like that's the macro goal for me. Anyway, stepping off my soapbox. Uh, you know, we... I I'm at University of the Arts, and we are just at towards the end of our cycle. We have our last virtual audition. We have our neck, uh, our final in-person next week. And while you're in the middle of that tornado, the only thing you're thinking is, how can we make this more humane? How can we connect with students, the ones that have traveled to us um, on that one-on-one, -on -one. how can we make their time here significant? And so I, I'm throwing this out there to say, like, is there anything that you think these universities, colleges can do um, that you have thought of that might not have gotten through to us? And if maybe this is a way to, to let them hear this from you. How can we fix? How can we make this better? Are you meaning like for the auditions? 
For the student auditions? Yeah, for the student auditions or really any part of this process. I mean, like we only, I don't really necessarily have control over admissions and scholarships and things, but the part that I do have control over is is that that a student who has prepared X, Y, and Z gets to show X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z and and then we there's several emails exchanged if we're going to accept them. I'm just wondering if there's any if you have you have experienced or see any holes in that process that might um, that we could fix or or think about. You know, I think one thing that is always I, I shouldn't say always one thing that can be tricky for students is communication at times with schools. Having the college audition requirements, a lot of times it's that common empty pre-screen that everything is a 60 to 90 seconds, all of that. Um, That is usually what they're going to be doing at the audition, whether it's virtual or in person. Sometimes though, it's not clear and emails can get lost in junk mail. But if the audition requirements were always posted on their website, audition requirements you don't have to search for, I think that if it was just like boom, bolded right there on everybody's website. That would be super easy to see. That would be one thing that would be incredibly helpful for students, parents, coaches, everybody. I think that that could be helpful. Um, I think when students go to the campus, they're also wanting to get that feeling of this is where I'm supposed to be, or this is a good experience. So having that opportunity, which I think most schools now or maybe hopefully getting back into that on-campus feel of sitting in classes, but getting the opportunity to sit in classes and experience the communication with students, really getting that interaction with students who are currently there, I think is huge for them. So they can ask them, what's it like? What's a day in the life like here? So I, I really feel for students who have been this year, that has been big for them. Uh, yeah, um, I have notes. I have notes. Um, uh, okay, so uh, like Laura said, if all the info could be on one page, um, sometimes it's like um, an architect built this page and then a second architect built this page. One has the audition requirements. One tells you about the department. One tells you about the curriculum, but there aren't links to each other from the pages. And so you have to continually go back to a search engine and be like, no, I'm looking for you arts curriculum. Oh, there it is. Um, um, and then sometimes you have a, sometimes you have a page that says, um, uh, what are the audition requirements? Click. And then it says, um, click here for a PDF. Uh, and then inside the PDF, click here for this year's. I'm like, ah! Um, and sometimes um, like, uh, on, um, this happened to Montclair and I talked to Mark Hardy about this and he had no idea about this. Um, someone built the website with the audition requirements and dates, and then someone else put the updates on top of it and they were in direct contrast, but they were right together. And so all the students were like, I don't know what I'm supposed to submit. Um, and then last thing is, um, Sometimes the letters that come from the uh, departments aren't written by the theater program. Um, So sometimes 
you get a letter that says, like Hart had this really unfortunate thing that happened this year where uh, they got letters back saying, hey, you're waitlisted for an audition based on your pre-screen. And so I talked to Tracy Moore and she was like, there is no waitlist for an audition. You either were called back to audition or you weren't. And I, and I said, what, the, what about the kids who had a waitlist? She's like, they don't have a waitlist. They're not invited to audition. I don't know how they got a letter phrased that way because it came from like the admins at the heart school, not from the MT program. Um, and then also there were, there were, oh, there was a terrible letter that came from Webster that was like, you're not talented enough. You can't come here. And uh, somebody told Larry Teeter about that. And he was like, I am so sorry, but there just is a lack of coordination sometimes between the head of the program and the admin. I'm glad uh, you brought that great. up. <laughs> I would say the that only thing, I think, I think both of what they said are, are great specifics. I think the only other thing is the, it's, I, I always wrestle with this because I really do respect and understand how a, a teacher and a head of a program is only going to spend so much time with a student in an audition because time is never on anybody's side. The one complaint that I'll get is that they have no idea the personality of the school because the audition of the situation goes so quickly, whether it's at Unifieds and we're, we're you know squeezing so many people in or the on-campus experience is good, but they didn't really get a chance to have as much exposure to, to people or classes as they would like. So then students of mine will receive the acceptance and then really still feel like they don't have a sense of the compatibility of themselves with the faculty at that school. And I'll quickly say, well, you know, this is the show business works this way. I feel the same way all the time as a professional actor where I wish I had more time in that room. You always wish that. So it's a balancing act because obviously you can't spend too much time with every single person or you'd be doing auditions for, you know, eight months or something. Um, but the, but I, that would be my only one, um, kind of constructive criticism that I've given to teachers before is that when, and they don't need a lot, those students don't need a lot, but even when they just feel a little bit of the personality of the school that comes through, whether it's the the meet and greet, whether it's, you know, through students that are working the audition in the hallway, whether it's the teachers themselves in the audition, it's amazing. The kids that'll come back to me and they'll go, Leo, he is so great. He's so cool. You know what he told me? All the while knowing they, the student might have been rejected. But the point is, is that they made such a strong impression that then when come acceptance time or, or results come out and that acceptance comes in, they already have a little bit of that juice of going, I want to go to that school because I like that school. I like that teacher. They spent time with me. That's a that's a cool thing that I and that really does that that's true. I think for any school, I think any student at any school when they have those positive experiences, then they put away this idea of I always like to demystify these top schools, like whatever that means, top school, right? And 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 newer programs that if a newer program leaves that kind of an effect on a student in some way through the experience of the audition, virtual too, these students really hold on to it. And they remember it, and then they—they, they, I think it helps them make the decision significantly in the end to the compatibility that they have felt or or maybe not felt, which leads them away from it, the school. So I'm really interested with as much time as as the three of you spend with uh, high school students looking at the musical theater university landscape. What are you hearing from students that they're looking for when searching for schools? I, I appreciate what you said, uh, Leo, about the demystification of top schools. Um, you know, I, 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 I teach at a small school, but I went to a, a, a one at school that ends up on a lot of top five lists and whatnot. I, I, I am a big believer that there's not a best school, there's just a best school for you. That's my philosophy. But I'm curious, 
how much weight are people putting, students putting on these lists? How much, how, what, what are students hungry to get out of their musical theater education? Um, what, 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 what are you all hearing? Can start that one. Um, I, it's terrible, Matthew. That's all they ever talk to me about is the school, the school, the school. And I, you know, what's amazing is I love to throw back at them. Well, tell me about the school. What, why is this school so wonderful for you? Or if you've just rejected this school, tell me why you've rejected it. And then I catch them right away when they actually haven't done the work to actually learn more about a program. But, you know, I, I, I can speak from experience that, the, that, the, that these tops coming from a school where does it open doors? Sure. Schools that exist, open door. Leo books the job when I go into a room. Carnegie Mellon doesn't book the job. Leo books the job, which means that any other person at the audition to that didn't go there and went to a brand new program that uh, Slippery Rock University in, a, in another fantastic year for music theater can beat me out. It's that actor that beats me out, not the, not the school name. So I always tell students that to your point, Matthew, of, of when you're in a program that speaks to you and there's compatibility, that is what is going to pull out better work. And that's what's going to lead to success over four years. Um, so I think it's it's excellent when students have done the work to know why they want these big programs that have been around. But one of the things I try to define for students is that they've been around for a they're they're really big in name because they've been around a long time. You know, it's like when a program celebrates its centennial year, well, it has that many more years of having names and bios. You know, when a, when a, when a program is just two years in, five years in, ten, what, what, how, they're, they're hungry. And that's what I love about newer programs. I find that these younger programs and these newer programs, what they have that some of these other older programs have been around for a long time can, can struggle with is that they're set in their ways, not these new programs. These new programs have a sense of what is going on right here and now in New York City, in Chicago, in Los Angeles. And, and it's exciting to me. And I also love, you know, youth. You know, I think that it's, 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 it's the wave of tomorrow. So then once students recognize that, it helps, uh, it helps get their ridiculous obsessed minds off of those big three, four, six, ten, whatever, however many it is for them, and and into the nitty gritty, which you brought up curriculum. Um, I know sometimes I throw out certain courses that I find um, to be really important. You know, the the, the class that I detested when I was at school because I thought this is boring. I'm never going to need this was voice and speech, actually supporting my voice and actually air and breath. So I, I sometimes try to encourage students to look for those classes within a curriculum at school that they need, you know, that they really are not a, a, it's not a forte for them now because isn't that the point of going to school? So then that tries, then that hopefully gets them away from the name of the school and actually gets them into the nitty gritty, which is tell me about the curriculum. Let's discuss the curriculum. And then when they find courses that are important to them, say it's jazz, ballet, because they're not a dancer, it, it's it's speaking to what they need. So then then it's more about curriculum and less school name. Uh, yeah, boy, that was right on, man. Um, I, you have students who come in and you say, uh, here's, I don't know. Um, uh, here's, uh, oh God, what's a, what's a smaller school? I don't know. Um, university of central Florida. And you say, here's UCF. And they go, Michigan, no, no, UCF, Michigan. Like it is just hardwired into their brain. Um, and you, you know, somebody, my, my former student, actually, uh, who is a, now my assistant who went to UArts, um, she was counseling a, a senior the other day and, and this, this student had been accepted to a ton of schools and 
Uh, she was like, well, I've never really heard of this school. And I said, let's look up the curriculum together. Let's look up the cost. Da, da, da. And we did. And everything like hit all her boxes. And she was like, but I've never heard of it. And uh, Autumn was like, nobody ever heard of Oklahoma City until Kristen Chenoweth graduated from there. OK, so like maybe you're the one who puts the school on a map. And uh, for some for some students, it's the name for other students they've done their research, like Leo said, and they're looking for something that can bolster their maybe third skill. If they rank themselves singer, dancer, actor, maybe this has a, a, a more thorough acting program for MT students. Um, it's easier when you have more parameters to work with. Uh, sometimes if a student comes in and says, yo, I need a program that doesn't break me down to build me up. I need a program that just builds me up and lands me under $40,000 a year. That's that's really, really easy to build a list around. Um, and uh, sometimes you get a really exciting student who's like a sponge, and you say, here are 10 schools that you've never heard of, and then I go on my Herald Hill, like of why you need it, why you need it, why you need it, and then suddenly they're all about, yeah, Ohio University sounds great. And then other people, you can do the same spiel, and they go, yeah, but it's not Carnegie Mellon. You go, ah! I would say, going along with what Drew and Leo have said, sometimes students come in and it is about the name, or they think it's about the name. They think, these are the schools I want. They've got their list and they think this is what they want. But then you start talking to them and you realize, okay, well, is this really what you want? And you start figuring out what their needs are. Maybe they realize they don't wanna be that far away from home. So you discuss, okay, you wanna be a four hour radius from home. Then you start looking at those options. Mm -hmm. You wanna be able to come home on weekends and do your laundry, great. Okay, so then you start you start to figure out those options or I don't care, I wanna go anywhere as long as I can get good training, whatever that means to them in that moment. I think that what's important is discovering what it is that they really think they want. And sometimes I have found that they don't really know what they want until later on in the process. Like. They think they do, but then they start to really research the schools. And then later on, when they get into the pre-screen process or later on, they realize, you know what? Yeah, I like these smaller schools or some of these unknown schools are really awesome. And you're right. <laughs> They're great programs out there. So I think it sometimes they come in thinking one thing what they want, but then discover later on what they actually want. And yeah, sometimes it is, I, I do make them look at the curriculum. Like these are these are classes that you absolutely need to have. Look at that core curriculum and go through all of that. But, um, you know, a lot of times they wanna have the voice lessons, the dance classes. Do I get, sometimes they say, do I get to perform as a freshman? And we know different schools have different theories on that. But I, I do think it depends on each student what what they're looking for. But at the end of the day, like Maddie said, it's finding the right fit for each student. This is just so helpful. I know that for um, educators listening to students listening to this podcast, I'm, they're going to get so much out of this. Um, now, I don't want you to give away all of your secrets, but I'm wondering if each of you could share like a tip, right? Like a tip or a trick, either from, you know, what someone should do before they get to you, a, a tip or a trick about what they should do in the audition room. Um, yeah, what's something that you could offer? I'll start. I This is one thing that I focus on um, with students later on in the process. I really prepare students for the 
audition interview. And I think it's something that can be easily forgotten. Um, so one tip that I give students is have three quick things you can rattle off about yourself because people will say, so tell me about you. And that there's that moment of, uh, I have no idea and everything forgets. And then you say, I'm a senior, uh, I wanna do theater, <laughs> you know, and you say these silly things, but have something ready for that interview that you can just say three quick fun facts about yourself that are conversation starters. That's something that I always tell my students. I'll tell you mine, uh, don't have a backup plan because you're gonna do the backup plan. Um, uh, if you're, I had this, this is prescient in my mind right now because yesterday I met with a student who was like, well, yeah, I really like theater, but then after the pandemic, I kind of lost my enthusiasm for it. So I'm thinking about maybe like double majoring in English just because I guess maybe that's what I'm probably going to end up doing, <sighs> deep sigh. And I was like, hey, instead, do what you love. And if you end up changing your mind, you can change your mind later. We don't regret the things that we do. No one ever sits in their deathbed going, oh, I wish I hadn't followed my dreams. Like if you decide that you wanna be a professional actor and then it no longer suits your lifestyle, great. Then you can change, but you will, you will have such regrets uh, if you're on campus and you're like a German major and all the theater kids are having fun, you're gonna be kicking yourself. So do what you wanna do. And if you wanna change later, absolutely you can change later. That was funny, Drew, I like that. I definitely would say one of my big Leo-isms that all my kids laugh at and they're like, we know, Leo, we know, is don't bite off more than you can chew. So I do find that teenagers, and I was this way too, but again, in 1998, it was a lot different, is that they are they bite off so much that then they don't understand why they're exhausted and they're not eating well and they're not hydrated for these auditions and they wonder why they're not you know, receiving the, the, the results that they want to have. I mean, at the end of the day, the, you have to make sure that you're setting up a schedule that supports the goal. And if the goal is that you want to have a variety of options, um, you've really got to make sure you are at your core in, in the, in the most healthy version possible, because even there are things of course, that will come out of the control. You're sick, you know, your, your flights canceled. There's all kinds of stuff that can work against you in a bad luck kind of scenario. But sometimes when some of these students are at 65%, energy level and they're not getting consistent sleep or hydration or eating healthily, that's just the psychological parts of this process that you got to take care of you. So, you know, like sometimes I'll say to my students, so when's the, um, when's the Netflix night? When are you turning your brain off? When are you actually like putting down the songs and monologues? Like, how about like having like a life moment? You know, how about that? How about a walk in the park? I'm like, a, I'm a huge green thumb. I've got plants everywhere I look. Like that's my outlet away from performing because it keeps me healthy when I go back to my performing. Um, it was all of my, I was doing School of Rock uh, on Broadway a couple of years ago and I had plants all over my dressing room station and everyone made fun of me. And then I said, yeah, but do you guys ever see me stressed in here? <laughs> they said, no, you're never stressed. I said, it's because I put time into my plants. You know, so it's the same thing I encourage the students is, you know, find that outlet away from it. So you're not, so you're not biting off so much that you can't chew. So I want to share a little secret with the three of you and all of our listeners, uh, because I have heard university program coordinators and heads of musical theater program in the past, some who shall not be named, uh, have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder when it comes to 
college audition coaches and the the profiting of uh, that people in your business have in um, in the audition process for the the college landscape. And I was very deliberate in who we included in this conversation because I have relationships with all three of you on on different levels, and and I, I think very highly of the you know, the way that you go about business. Uh, I'm curious and I'm not exactly sure what I'm asking, but like, what would you say? I guess there's two questions. What would you say to a university uh, program coordinator, a uh, musical theater program coordinator who kind of poo-pooed the idea of the college audition coach? And then the follow-up to that would be because there are many people doing what you do now and there are different strategies and different, um, uh, different ways about, about going about business, what would you say to a student who is looking to for their college audition coach? It's like, what, what would you say? I mean, if it's not you, then, you know, what would, what would they be look, what should they be looking for? I don't know, Drew, you want to start? You know, actually I did have this conversation at Unifieds with, with a professor. Um, I don't remember what school now, but, but they sort of had the, the same um, almost dismissive, uh, attitude about like, ah, um, I will say it's the same attitude that folks had in the nineties about test prep. Um, when like, uh, test prep became a thing, people were like, Oh my gosh, wow. Now there's a coach for how to take the SAT. But like, now we go, Oh, of course you, you do the Princeton review, like, or you buy an online course or something to help you with it. Um, I, I think that what we do is is offer a, a little more sanity to folks who are going through the process, and for that, I I I don't feel uh, anything but great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the fact that these students and these parents get a little bit of a break and a little bit more support. I am very very proud of that. Um, what was your second question? What would you say to a student uh, trying to to decipher who what college coach is going to be the best advocate for them? Like what 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 what, are, what, are the, what should students be looking for versus maybe something that's a little bit more pay to play? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I always say when I do my masterclass about finding coaches, um, find who vibes a with your budget. And then B, with your energy. Like, um, you know, you right now happen to have a panel of three particularly positive professional people. And so, like, our energies aren't that dissimilar. But some students want a coach who's more like, this is very proper, and these are how you do things, and uh, and I am very fancy. And, like, that is... And some some families feel safer with that. Like, oh, this this person costs a whole lot more and they're very rigid. And that makes me feel, that gives me the confidence of a boarding school. Um, I am uh, not that, nor do I think that Leo and Laura are. We are like, let's get you through. You're awesome. We love you. Also do your work. Um, and so like find, find who vibes with your energy. Um, ask former clients of that coach, how was it like working with that coach? Um, what were the pros and cons? Um, and then, you know, look at their results, uh, knowing that a lot of it is work, a lot of it is guidance, and a lot of it is luck. Um, so, you know, maybe I didn't get every student into Syracuse, but there's no way I could. 
but did all of my students get into one of their like 20 schools they had on their list that satisfied their budget and what they needed? Okay, cool. And I also think things like, because I know that Leo is still in touch, and so am I, with like our former clients and their families, and we're still like good friends. Like, does that is also a telling sign. Laura, what do you have to offer on that on those two questions? So the first one, I would say, you know, if there are coaches for high school students to get into athletics, kind of going back to the athletic question, how is that any different than for musical theater or acting? We are, I, from my perspective, I am here to assist the families. I am a cheerleader for you. And I feel like that's what Drew and Leo also do. My job is to help the student achieve their goal. And if we're not all on the same team, and if the colleges can't see that, then I feel like that there's something wrong there because that's that's what I'm trying to do. That's my goal is to help the student. So that's the way I look at it. I'm That's what I wanna do. I wanna help the student achieve their goal. Um, and then what, what should a student be looking for if, if deciding between the different options in college coaches? Yeah. You know, Drew hit the nail on the head. You, everybody is going to be different. We all have different personalities. See, you know, do a few consultations with different coaches and see how you like how everybody is. Maybe you connect with one person better than the other. And that's completely fine. Um, I do think that it is important to not just strictly look at where their clients have gone to school because it is not just based on where they chose to go to school. That is that individual student's choice where they went. Now, you can look and see where were these students accepted. That might, If that is a sole deciding factor for you, go for it. But I do think it is important to see how you connect with that person because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. And yeah, sometimes I'm coaching in my sweatpants a lot of times. So if that's not the field that you want from me, that's great. But do know that I will respond to your text. I'm You're going to be crying and I'm here for you. And that's a lot of times what coaching is. It's just being there for that person. And sometimes that may not what you get out of other coaches. And that's you got to figure out if that's what you want. That may also be a good indicator of what you're looking for in a program too. <laughs> good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Leo, what would you say to a, a, a university program that kind of poo-pooed the idea of a college audition coach? Yeah, I do find that that poor audition coaching is because of direction, that, that students are told what to do, what pieces to do. Um, I run the other way from that. I, I And I think a lot of, rightfully so, schools either have experienced individuals or, or, or organizations or, you know, high school drama teachers or choir teachers that just don't know any better and actually type a student from the outside in, not working from the inside out of what they connect with. And then students, high school kids are directed what to do. Well, that would make me say, ugh, to college coaching too. Um, Certainly from the price perspective, it is all about making sure that the people that you work with are working in a, I think, a la carte way and that you're only, you know, purchasing or buying or registering for something that you really need, not something that you you don't need, as opposed to this sticker 
price that doesn't really speak to you know what what an individual is looking for but you know i i just i i try to prompt the right questions for all of my students but that they are the ones answering and leading the way that they are the captain of the ship um it's it's so it's so important i mean all of my years of experience i'll often say to a student who has an attitude or resistance i'll say i've been doing this a lot longer than you wouldn't you agree with that yes leo i guess that's true well then why don't you just all i ask is that you think about the following question i asked you for 24 hours before you answer me just think about it you know so i think it's the if if um college coaches are are prompting the right questions for their students to discover the answers i think then a resistant university teacher would realize oh yeah they it's the the student is leading the way as opposed to like a marionette being told what to do it's the, again that's that robot machine thing that just i know so many universities would run the other way from as would i um and that's happened to me before where i've had students come to me and and i'll see this monologue or song and i'll i can tell did, did someone tell you to do that did someone tell you to walk right right left it, it looks like you're choreographed like what do you, is that organically happening for you no i don't want to do that well then why are you doing it you know so we'll start to have this conversation that isn't led by them um so that would be my my main thing is is not you know directing students that they're still they're the ones alone in the room when I, as much as I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that audition, I won't be there. So they have to, you know, lead their way. And um, I think these two said it beautifully as far as selecting a coach. It's all about compatibility. It's all just like with school. You know, do you do you do you vibe and understand the language and, and energy of that of that coach? Um, I think having multiple consultations is a great way to find that out. I think looking at results over the years speaks to not just one lucky individual one year, but the but the results from over a longer period of time is always it's just representative of being able to help many different people in many years. And and also, you know, I again, I, I like to use where I, I went to school to say I understand the want to be in a big program. I love getting to go to Carnegie Mellon. If I could do it again, I'd do it. But I also don't celebrate any of my students, Carnegie Mellon, Michigan, and Juilliard acceptance more than I celebrate a brand new program's acceptance. I really don't. And the website and empty, you don't see any one person celebrated in a way in one way more than another. So that's the other thing I like to say to families, which is that it it really is about you, not 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 a school. You know, it is about you and your journey and what you want. Um, but yeah. Drew, Laura, Leo, thank you all so much. This has been seriously such a fun episode. Um, I would love just, I mean, we're going to put your information in um, the information section, but I'd love for you to just share where people can find you, your social media or however, if someone's looking for a coach, how they can reach you. Um, and yeah, let us know how we can do that. Let's start with Drew. Call Audition Pro, that's C-O-L-L. Audition Pro on the Instagrams, um, where we are bombarding you about the summer intensive. And um, on Facebook, we're College Audition Pros. And uh, on my TikTok, Drew Boudreau, um, they don't love me talking about College Audition Pros. I did one video about cruise ship life, and I became the cruise ship guy overnight, viral, and now I can't get back on a musical theater. Laura, how can we find you? Sure, I am. I mainly hang out on Instagram. It's at AuditionWell, but I'm also on Facebook. Fa Facebook, excuse me, at AuditionWell as well. Or you can go to my website, AuditionWell.com. And Leo? Yes, um, the cruise ship. I've got to see that, Drew. I've never seen it. I need to check that out. I've never seen it. I did one video about what happens when you get fired on a cruise ship. It got something like 6 million views. Oh and then 
I started getting messages in my uh, in my inbox for college audition pros from people being like, hi, how do I get a job on a cruise ship? And I'm like, stop it, leave me alone. <laughs> I love it. Okay, sorry, I'm, now I'm misbehaving. Okay, um, Musical Theater College Auditions is the Instagram, long name, I know. And we do help acting applicants too. It's one problem with that name. But Musical Theater College Auditions, E-R, not R-E, um, you can go to my Instagram too, Leo Ash Evans, L-E-O-A-S-H-E-V-E-N-S, like Evans. Um, and our and website is mtcollegeauditions.com, mtcollegeauditions.com. And um, I really enjoyed this. Thank you both so much. It's been it's been wonderful. This has been awesome. Like, I, Kiko, I don't know about you, but I think people are going to get a lot out of it, whether they are uh, musical theater educators or students thinking about audition coaching that listen to our podcast as well. I just couldn't be more grateful to the three of you. All of you have busy schedules. I know this is an, an interesting time of year with letters coming in and stuff. So I have a, imagine that you're fielding a lot of messages constantly um but thank you so 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 much music for carefully taught was provided by joshua Haig. for more information visit joshuahegmusic.com